Welcome back to Kafaro Cast, everybody. Frank here, across the mic from Aaron Snyder, and we got a very special guest. We got Tyler Friel, famous for many things, but probably most famous for his uh, acting role in Inglorious Bastards. He was the Bear Jew. What's going on, Tyler? (laughs) (laughs) Oh Lord. Yeah, Tyler just got back. um, Well, Tyler shot a. you, uh, well, you you killed a grizzly with a obsidian or whatever head and a wood arrow. Um, well, wood, let's let's jump in there. It's Danish flint, so the freaking <laughs> the primitive police don't jump on you too hard. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you got to be exact on the details. Apparently, what's the difference between the obsidian and the uh, Danish flint? Shit, I don't know. It's flint from Denmark. Isn't that know. weird? Did you uh, did you make that head yourself as well? No, I didn't. It's uh, a dude, a guy from Utah, who's actually a really cool dude. Being from Utah, he's probably like before all the the ridiculous people moved to Utah. Um, <laughs> but he uh, is that a Mormon joke? Just kidding. Uh, no, he's not <laughs> that old. But. Uh, Anyway, him and another guy, I helped out on a moose hunt a couple of years ago, and, and this guy, his name is Greg Nunn. He actually used to be a, or well, still is, but basically a retired um, kind of, I don't know if he was an archaeologist or what, but um, like PhD level flint napper, um, did it professionally for a long time. And we were on the ride out on a four-wheeler, haul, I was picking him up from where they floated to moose hunting, and just got to BSing and was thinking, man, it'd be pretty cool to kill a bear with a or a black bear with a stone point. And then it's like, why don't you why don't you kill a grizzly? And well, eh, okay. So he agreed to uh, he agreed to make me three points and half them on arrows for me. And uh, and he did. So I I started last year and I ended up hitting a grizzly just a little low in the armpit last year and friggin' didn't kill him. Um, so. That sucked. That was pretty lame. And then finally, I uh, got it done this year. So when you had, um, in actually not to get off subject to bear, but real quick, we we had uh, some Australians in town this week. Um, one was, I call him Ben Hammer, but it's Ben Ma. I think is how you say his last name. <laughs> um, huh. Ben Mayor. Anyway, and he was uh, he took me aside yesterday. I went over to Rocky Mountain and was talking about what a genuinely good guy. Tom Clum Sr. is he's like you know I'd heard you talk about him and you're super protective of him and he's like man I'm I'm, I'm ready to take a pair of plier and a board blowtorch to somebody that looks at him crooked because he had treated him so well and you had Tom with you when you when you oh, shot yeah. that didn't you yeah I did it would, uh and I I'm still a little bummed about the the I mean his trip up here because he didn't end up getting a black bear I was uh the whole plan was for him to come up and we were going to go on this super remote black bear trip but when he when we uh as i as about a week eight days before he got here we left to go put baits in and just the conditions the water conditions um just it just wasn't going to happen the water was super high and uh so much debris in the river that it was just not going to be safe to run our boats in and with so much junk in the river we used jet units on our on our boat motors so you know, you instantly get clogged up and you have no power. So it was just kind of a non-starter. And after that, after we had to pull the plug on that, I, uh, my, my 
local bait was getting just clobbered. Um, had like six or seven, and I already I had already shot two black bears off it, nice boars, and um, it was getting clobbered. There was at least two, maybe three, really nice boars using it, and uh, like three or four days before he got here, um, a big sow grizzly with three adult cubs moved in there and ran all them black bears off. Ran all them black bears off, so uh, they uh, they end up not coming back. What's well, going on? Here, long story short. You're looking at porn. What's going on? You seem distracted. I think that's a yes. <laughs> Tyler, what are you hey, doing? What am I doing? Yeah, you got distracted for a minute. I was trying to drink it, drink my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> trying to wake up. Sorry. All right, go ahead. Yeah, that's like four o'clock in the morning here. Um, <laughs> no, anyway, he. Uh, well, now you really got me off fucking kilter. <laughs> um, so any, anyway, long story short, Tom didn't get a black bear, but when he got up here, we went in there to hunt, and I was like, we got to run this grizzly off. And when we got in there, we saw that a big boar grizzly had shown up that morning. And uh, and I had my, had my longbow and stone points, and he's like, well, you're shooting this thing. So uh, long story short, it's freaking awesome that he's able to – to be there and see it and video it. I think he actually missed looking at the bear during the shot because he was screwing with his phone. His phone, he's recording me on the phone and recording the bear. And his phone ran out of storage right before I shot. So. Freaking androids. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would have been out of battery if it was a freaking iPhone. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lord. What, uh, when you ended up hitting it, um, uh, I mean, you hit it good, but you guys pulled out and then came back in. And, uh, and, but it ended up being dead, not that far away from where you'd shot it to begin with, wasn't it? If I remember yeah, the story right. Yeah. And I guess I'm not doing a real good job at telling the story. It was kind of ended up, everything was perfect and it ended up turning into kind of a shit show. But, uh, bear comes in and I had to wait a few minutes. He was kind of behind the tree that the baits at quartering to me pretty hard. And I had to wait like three or four minutes and I'm like, about to pass out i had to start like doing slow breathing and stuff like that just to calm myself down i was so excited and uh finally he took a step back and turned towards me like more broadside and uh i picked a crease to aim at and hit him basically right there but as he ran off i'm like oh shit he's a little more quarter and quarter into me than i thought just looking at the angle the arrow sticking out of him you know and uh so we watched the video and I'm thinking initially both Tom and I are like, oh yeah, he's freaking dead. He ran like, I heard him run, I figured 60, 70 yards and then stop. And it's so thick back there. You can hear them when they, when they're hauling ass through the woods. So he, uh, he stops and me and Tom are both like, yeah, he's dead right there. And then we watched the video and, and uh, became a little more questionable. Initially I'm like, uh, got maybe one long. But I knew the hind quarter stopped it, and anyway, the more we watched the video, the sketchier the shot we started. The <laughs> shot started looking, and uh, but we sat there for three hours, and I'm like, man, I haven't heard anything. He's right there. I knew he was right there, and I was pretty certain he was dead. So Tom was kind of being the voice of reason. He's like, uh, you know, we should just come back in the morning or what, whatnot. And I just couldn't take it. I was like, I gotta go look for like some blood or something. Cause I figured he was just dead right there. And so 
grabbed my rifle, and I didn't think of it at the time, but Tom went in there unarmed, which is pretty ballsy, I guess. He uh, Anyway, we got back there and freaking seen – it was right about 60, 70 yards, found a little bit of blood, and we start following it and only make it about 10 yards – and I heard something up ahead in the brush, and it's thicker than shit in there. You can't see more than, like, five yards. And uh, I'm, like, the whole, like, shh, you know, quit moving thing. And I thought it was, like, a squirrel or something at first. And then pretty quick, as soon as I stopped, I could hear it was just, like, it wasn't even breathing or nothing. It was just the stalks of little weeds breaking or grass breaking. And I heard the I heard that sucker roll over and stand up. And I'm, like, oh, shit, he ain't dead yet. And uh, I heard him take a couple steps. You could just hear his foot, his foot pads, like just touch it, hitting the ground as he's just taking two steps towards us. And then I heard him take a couple steps away. And I'm like, we got to get the fuck out of here. This is, uh, he's like, uh, like, he is close. I don't know how close, but he's close. And uh, more than anything, I just didn't want to have to freaking shoot him with a rifle after all this bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was he and, think he uh, was around like sub 20? Oh, yeah, I was like, he's under 20 yards from us. And it ended up, in hindsight, after we came back the next day, he was he was like 15 yards from us. Yeah, and I, honestly, at the, when all this was going on, uh, uh, one of Lance Cronenberger's uh, guides got munched on um, yeah. during about all the same time. So, I'm, you know, this is going on. I'm going up to BC. There's a lot of bear hunting going on. One of Lance's guys got munched on. I'm trying to figure out. Cause you guys are, you know, hunting and in, in some service and some not. So then, you know, you sent me a message that you hit one. And then now I'm sitting here, not that I'm complaining, but waiting for something like, okay. Yeah. Did, did you get, <laughs> and then I think you guys went back and Tom had nap time, um, for a while. And then you guys yeah. went back in. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, after, after we bumped into him and I'm like, uh, and what's what was good? I guess I can't say saved us because I have my freaking three seventy five and I'm pretty confident in that shit. But uh, what what helped us was that bear had no clue we were there when I shot him, and so he just he didn't know what happened. He just ran back there and laid down, and I think he thought we were another bear or something when we were getting close because he didn't he didn't do any kind of like aggressive reactionary shit and. You know, I couldn't even hear him breathing. He just was aware something was there and stood up. So we snuck out and uh, the whole ride back, you know, it's like this was at midnight we were in there. So the whole ride back, you know, we're talking, uh, how long do we give him and discussing different possibilities. I thought it would be for sure. It was for sure diaphragm. And then because the, the spot was right where a perfect shot for a broadside or, or slight quarter or two, but he was angled pretty hard. And I knew it was at least diaphragm and guts. So we're like doing the math. How long do we give him? And we decided, I think that if we went back in there at like two, th at like two thirty in the afternoon, that would be 18 hours and he should for sure be dead then. And, uh, so that's what we did. Came back and slept it off and I got up. Well, my kid, usually wake me up at like six o'clock so i got a couple hours of sleep and uh i think i sent the video to you that morning i'm like hey but what do you think of that shot and i thought your conclusion was about the same as mine yeah it was i mean when you i thought man surely you got liver or diaphragm and and of course my yeah. initial was like he didn't go very far i'm like well he's probably dead the, the thing you 
you know, off the subject, but the same thing. People have to realize if 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 you if you shoot a, a predator, especially a grizzly. Not that I'm an expert in grizzlies, but nothing's really probably going to run them off other than maybe another grizzly. Obviously, where you shoot a deer, your tracking job can turn into an epic shit show because if you hit them in the liver or the stomach coyotes will push them for miles before they oh yeah you know they die and, and you and i were talking about that where with that grizzly there's a chance but more than most likely he probably just laid up and died and something else probably didn't drive him off which is at least what i was thinking in my mind well at least it's a grizzly and not a oh yeah you know something else that could get driven for you know literally yeah. miles by coyotes trying to eat it Oh yeah, you know something like a deer or an elk or something like that. That they're and they're and that's their natural, their natural reaction to like an injury is to freaking put distance between them and whatever did it. I would imagine, but I you know I figured I figured he would be dead within fifty yards of the spot we we bumped him because we didn't bump we didn't spook him. You know it was we made it all the way back out without him running off. Um, so I was I was pretty optimistic. I was like yeah. For sure, he's going to be. And we knew he was he was dead, but for sure he was going to be really close to that. And that's a freaking jungle back there. So, which which ended up I think helping us in the long run. But uh, we yeah we finally jumped back in the boat and ran down there. And it was I think it was about right at two thirty we got started tracking him and uh, got back there. And I I was kind of disappointed. Or, or discouraged a little bit because we went back to where and it found he was bedded in this spot. There's like three huge like bear beds from, you know, years and years of bears laying up off that bait. And uh, I figured there'd be a big old blood spot in one of the beds, you know what I mean, from laying there for three hours. And, uh, but nothing, the only weird, the blood was really pretty sparse. You know, we'd, when we look hard, we'd find just drops. In some spots it was drops you could, stand in one spot and see him for 10 feet. Um, then it became drops that are just smeared on the bottom sides of like the cranberry leaves and shit like that uh, as he ran by. But I don't know. The signs were still good. Like in the first, in the first 150 yards he made it from there, there was probably a dozen spots where he'd bedded. And uh, which tells me he was not freaking feeling too bueno um, oh shit! I didn't know you spoke Spanish. <laughs> oh, just a little, just a little bit. Don't get it. Don't get a semi on me. So. Don't speak too, too much because Frank does not speak Spanish, so you'll get him confused. I know where. I know where. Uh, I know where Tyler's from. There's a decent, yeah, decent uh, population of Hispanic folks. Oh, Alto Mano Ariba. Getting getting more decent by the day, from what I hear. But uh, <laughs> we'll. Uh, I'll, I'll tell. I got a joke. I probably can't. Uh, uh, let's hear. Do we'll deal with that afterwards. All right. We'll tell them at the end, and if we need to cut them out, because I got a new one too. So <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so we're on this track and job, and it's already difficult. And then this freaking thunderstorm moves in and just starts pouring rain. And so senior and I sit down underneath this freaking. In, in a bear, one of the, his beds that he had, you could tell he got all pissed and was digging in it, um, sat down in one of his beds under a spruce tree to wait out the rain. And the whole time, I think I, Tom was having the freaking time of his life. I'm just like, what the fuck? Please let us find this bear. 
<laughs> you know. And well, uh, and I'm thinking, I, I've in, been all there. Ser- <laughs> in all seriousness, you know, like I'm thinking to myself, dear Lord, not again. You know, after last year, I, I hit that bear just like couldn't have missed his heart by an inch or two and then tracked him like three quarters of a mile before I ran out of blood last year. Anyway, so I'm thinking like, please not again. And I'm thinking like, man, I'm freaking, I had one more arrow and I'm like, I'm still thinking like, man, I'm done with this shit. I don't care whether we find, you know, I do care whether we find the bear or not. I'm done with this shit. You know, it's too (laughs) stressful. Anyway. So, uh, after it quit raining, and that was about the point we lost blood too. I think after it quit raining, um, we kind of we got back on the track, and it really—I don't know—it was a lot of fun. It was getting to practice my Native American skills. Um, we you go in there and you get in a spot where and there's all these active bear trails all over the place. So you get into a spot where there's ten different directions this bear could have freaking gone, and just taking them and and eliminating each one one by one. Um, a lot of the tracking we were doing is just by which way the freaking stalks on the weeds were bent over and whatnot. Um, so that freaking it got us along. And then he got into some, into this big alder patch that the, the, and what was nice is the ground was covered with these things. We call them horsetail ferns or whatever they are. It's just a very, like a super fast growing and fragile weed. So if there's any disturbance, you know, it's recent. And, uh, I mean, he left there for the last 150 yards. He left a trail a blind man could follow. I mean, it was like pretty blatant and obviously wasn't doing good. And, uh, then he finally got, he hit a main trail in these, and it switched to, uh, uh, rose bushes that are about chest high, so you can hardly even see the ground. But he's on this main trail where he's not. There's no like fresh weeds or anything for him to disturb. So we pretty much just had to had to follow the trail. It was going in the same general direction. Senior was back behind me, just looking really close for areas he could have bailed off, and he ended up being dead right in the middle of the trail. I uh, looked up and saw the trail went th- through this you know tight little stand of spruce trees and. And afterwards, Tom said he had thought the same thing, that that looked like a pretty good spot for him to die. And we got outside it, and I'm looking in there, and, you know, at this point, it's getting pretty discouraging. And I'm like, I'd seen your guys' binoculars. I'm like, hey, I was like, does that look like hair to you? And I could just see, like, the sh- in the shadows, this outline of what looked like a freaking dead bear laying there. And it sure as shit was. So, man, that was, uh, that was quite the relief finding him and he, he he made it farther than i thought he was i think uh 380 yards from where where i shot him but could have been a lot worse so one of the questions i got uh from people that you know knew i knew you and we've been friends a long time randy cooling being one of them was why like why you know to, with the whole wait i already forgot the name of it the flint tip what would you call it a a what oh it's like a Danish Danish flint, if we're being specific. A Danish donut, a Danish flint. You know, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, I think he just kind of got it in his mind to do it, and that's how Tyler is. But you, you, you more or less, if I remember correctly, uh, you and Levi Morgan got into it 
about mechanical broadheads, and he's not a fan of stick bows uh, at all. Uh, from and you were like, well, you, it maybe not because of Levi, but you were like thinking, uh, I'll kind of show everyone what a stick bow can do, even on super primitive. And I'm taking this from the outside, looking in, looking yeah. at it. Uh, was that part of it, or did you just like, yeah, I'm going to see what I can do with a piece of wood and a, a Danish flint on the end of it, or what were you thinking on all that? Well, I think I'd already, I, that, that was already in the works at that point, but it certainly didn't freaking hurt my resolve none. Um, I, I was, yeah, and I did, you know, I didn't mean to get into it with him that much, but man, it was just freaking. I, I remember that comment, something like, oh, trad bows are the worst penetration ever. And, yeah, I mean, just like, all right, well, we'll fucking then you were see, like, we'll see how this does. You were like, I'll show you penetration. <laughs> 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 oh, Lord. Oh, uh, but that's, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, hey, but, Levi yeah, was man, it, on the Alberta hunt, um, you know, with us. And I, I don't know, even with, you know, him and I being friends and, and the success that I've had and him knowing me that I've really swayed his perception <laughs> of the stick bow at all. I still think he's like, yeah, that's stupid. I, I don't, I don't think he's down with the old, uh, down with the sickness at all. Well, maybe he's just freaking scared to shoot one. I don't know. Yeah. I think he'd probably say that he doesn't, you know, he's got to perform and I think he knows it takes a lot more effort to perform, not saying it in a bad way, um, most of the time you're not switching to a stick bow for, uh, the greater good of your trophy room. That may happen, but for the most part, um, you know, you're generally doing it, um, you know, be, be, because of, of, of a desire for the, you know, the, um, what's the word, the, uh, you want the challenge, not, not oh, the, yeah. the bigger trophy. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's no little blue pill for that kind of performance. I mean, it freaking is all. No. Hey, uh, I got to, I got to step off of this real quick, Frank, and you can take it over for the next five minutes. I got to talk with Allie real quick. So have fun, Frank. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, anyway, Frank being one of these mechanical freaking people, <laughs> which I seen the broadhead post you put what last you, night or something. What do you like mean, that. you people? You people, I think, you know uh, exactly what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely, uh, I probably don't have near the experiences that you and uh, Aaron do at, at uh, archery hunting, but I definitely think they, um, a mechanical and a, and a fixed blade have their place in uh, certain, oh, yeah. certain situations. But uh, you definitely pr I don't, that's definitely not a thing with trad archers, right? You probably would never shoot a, no. a uh, yeah, mechanical I out of a trad bow. Though I think no. you should just because, because of the tra yeah. traditional police. Oh, yeah, that'd be that would be <laughs> pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, everything has its place, even if it's the garbage can. But, uh, <laughs> um, You're on fire this yeah, morning. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as far as with, uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, trad uh, traditional bow just doesn't. What you can get away with is the is the extra. Um, the extra power that a compound can produce, you know, to drive those blades open and whatnot. And they, you know, if you're, if you're selective in your shots and whatnot, I think they work just fine. Um, typically, I don't know, but yeah, it's just, there's just, it's just bullshit and not true that, that traditional stuff doesn't penetrate. If you're using, if you don't know what you're doing and you're using, using the wrong equipment, 
yeah, you can have some serious issues, but I mean, I, I will, you know, with the whole, that whole Levi post, however long ago it was, it's kind of hard to say shit when your arrow's only going in like three inches on a white tailed deer. So that, that's what kind of got me pissed off where these, even these stone points, I mean, I'm shooting a sharp rock tight on the end of a stick and it's getting the, the black bear I shot with it. It was a pass through and this bear, it had like, it was probably 20 to 22 inches of penetration, but the hind leg stopped it. It hit the bone in the hind legs, what stopped the arrow. Yeah. I think, um, I think one thing that maybe might be the thing, the issue there is, uh, with people is there's just such a lack of information on, on traditional archery for so long since there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of popularity there that I think a lot of people were shooting, uh, shooting the wrong setup as far as like a, a super lightweight arrow and, and, uh, the wrong broadhead or, you know, what have you. Um, Oh, totally. Yeah, man. It makes a, it makes a huge difference even on, uh, like lighter weight compound bows, you know, my, the first bear my wife ever shot. And I think her bow was like, yeah, it was probably 45 pounds at the time. And, uh, and I had her using like, I didn't know no better, like a G5 Montec and it was sharp and everything, but she shot this bear just perfectly. And all I could think of is it hit a rib and that arrow stopped and it wasn't a very heavy arrow. You know, it was like probably around 400 grains um, but I was like, oh shit, you know, and that turned me off of ever using those again. Then the next I swapped her out for a single bevel and, uh, shot the next bear in the same exact spot and it zipped right through him. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors to consider. And I think you're right though. The more nowadays, there's a lot more information out there and people like demonstrating what, what really, uh, is going to be effective rather than just nobody, no one knowing what they're doing and just ordering arrows from Cabela's and slinging them at stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, speaking of more information being available, uh, I think Tom has been uh, pretty awesome for your shooting and also uh, Aaron's. What, what, what did you guys work on when he was up there, and, and what has he helped you with as far as your mechanics and stuff like that? Man, he's freaking helped me with everything. I... Uh, I basically in December totally rebuilt my shot from scratch. Like, you know, I was, I, and I was a pretty proficient shooter and I could shoot pretty well. But, um, and when I, when I thought I was, when I first started talking to Tom, I thought it would be like change a couple things and then be freaking best shooter. Of course, my goal is to kick Aaron's ass one of these days. <laughs> um, just, you know, because he, I don't know, that's, that's like the, where the bar is at right now. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I totally changed my whole shot, and I've been just busting my ass all winter shooting this damn bag in my garage, um, just re, you know, building a good shot, and it's really come around. And when Tom was up here this time, there, it was really just fine tuning stuff for the most part, and he got me shooting a trigger, a triggered shot, and uh, which I'd kind of refused to do every ever since because I didn't want to shoot a string clicker, but. Uh, um, man, it's for made a freaking huge difference. Like I've been, it's, I, I don't know. It sounds like, it sounds braggy, but I just been shooting way better than I could ever imagine the past couple weeks. Even it's just kicked up to a whole nother level. So, um, I'm pretty stoked. That's with my recurve. Anyway, I've been, I kind of 
the longbow is taking a back seat. Do you think you feel like you shoot the recurve better than the longbow then? Oh yeah. Um, although I don't know if I did a few things and, and just set up, set up, uh, the arrows the way I want them set up, I probably could shoot it just as well, but that longbow just doesn't have quite as much ass behind it as my recurve. Um, and it, and my recurve's ILF, so it's a little bit better. <laughs> it's yeah. more better. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the coolest things that uh that I've seen recently from like um your Instagram posts and Aaron's and a few other trad guys is, I think in the past there's like this weird misconception that if you shoot trad you can only shoot like an animal at 20 yards, but you guys are stacking groups at 40 and 50 and 60 yards that are on par with just about uh a lot of uh a lot of compound shooters so i think that's that's something that's pretty cool is you guys are kind of changing the um the i guess changing the expectation of of traditional to where you don't have to just shoot 20 yards you can shoot further accurately if you put in the work oh yeah i think so man and you know you're always going to get the ethics trad police but uh it's just not you know, it's it's just a lie that you have to limit yourself to 20 yards. You know, if you obviously, you know, need to be responsible in the shots you take. But if you put the work in and you got, you know, a smidge of talent, you know, you get good mechanics like Tom's teaching and a good mental game. Like, why why can't you shoot at 40 or 50 yards if you can put them as tight or tighter than a lot of guys can do with their compounds? You know what I mean? I, I just hopped on, caught the end of this. It's it's funny you guys brought this up because yesterday there was a, a fairly long, drawn-out, not debate, but a, a gentleman's conversation with a couple guys at the uh, over at Rocky Mountain on, on distance. Um, and, and you and I were the reason of that conversation, um, mostly the, like the slow-mo videos that I've posted and then the groups you've posted. Yeah. And, you know, they were like, would you shoot an animal that far and, and – and, I brought up Denny uh, Sturgis, um, who doesn't shoot animals, you know, super far away. But Denny brought up his saying was, I'm not saying to shoot that far, but everyone should have a plan. Everyone should practice um, a lot for follow up shots. And, and if you what I tried to explain to the guys was if we go to a 3D course and we shoot various yardages from stick bow stakes and compound stakes, um, at, at what point do you say, and, and I'm leaving me out of it because uh, I don't want to deal with hate mail, but someone else, Frank, whoever, or you, if you go through and your scores from a, uh, the compound stakes are, are greater than uh, some other uh, traditional bow hunter that's shooting from, let's say, the stick bow stakes, well, you know, technically, technically or arguably, uh, maybe that guy shouldn't be shooting even at twenty yards. Like, like there's a kind exactly. of exactly, and then the, exactly the, the immediate uh, response is, well, the animal can can move, um, which is can, the animal can I mean the animal breathes and has four fucking legs. It can move anytime. So yes, it it can definitely move, but in certain situations, and, and I was very clear, you know, forty is about my comfort zone like I can shoot pretty good farther than that but 40 is yeah. about like you know that's my goal I want to I want to once I get to 40 I'm thinking about shooting at 40 and I'm hoping to get you know sub 20 but if it if I pop up at 36 I'm super comfortable at sub 40 distances in the right situation and you got to have your head you know you don't want um 
You don't want to go through life with a plexiotomy, which anybody know what that is? <laughs> Doctor said I need a backiotomy. What's a plexiotomy? It's a it's a glass belly button so you can shoot with your head up your ass. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you never heard of a plexiotomy? Uh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people try to put their limitations on uh, on other people, and that's and then that turns into like a moral thing, and their morals on others. It's like, dude, just know what your own capabilities are according to your practice and not worry about everybody else. But I think that's a main, a, a real huge thing with hunting in general, like long range shooters for rifle hunting. Like that's not ethical. Well, if you, if you can do it and you practice it a lot and you feel confident in it, then why, why not? Oh, it's very, it's very debatable. And I, I see it from both sides of the fence because when you look at most guys, Maybe that practice that distance maybe are not capable with an animal in front of them at that distance. But then you have the guys that um, practice only at close distances and preach close shooting close, but suck at close too. So it's you know yeah. the, the shots get fired from both sides of the you know the the wall um, pretty badly. And my 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 strong encouragement to anyone and i think every everybody on the horn today would say the same thing learn animal behavior learn animal anatomy learn your limits and know when to shoot and when not to and that first year for me there was a lot of shots i flat out didn't take that i would definitely take now that i just you know as time went on hell i missed a deer three times the first day wake somewhat close up and then i didn't shoot some bulls that were <laughs> sub 35 yards that I just yeah. didn't feel comfortable with. And so that's me doing what every hunter should do and, and, and stepping up to the plate and saying, all right, that's a shot. I just, I can't take. And for me, I, I would not want a, you know, to be shot at by me if I'm sleeping at 40, like if I can get to 40 and I, and, and an animal's bedded, I'm taking that shot most of the time, 40, 35, 34, whatever, I'm feeling comfortable with that. And, you know, you take that to an animal feeding that caught some movement and looks up when I'm getting ready to go to full draw. That's a totally different dynamic. That's a shot that I'm probably never going to take because um, I'm probably not going to hit it. That's just animals going to move. It takes a long time for the arrow to get there. You put that animal laying on the ground looking away, that animal's going to die. That's, it's, a, it's a good shot for me. Now, Tyler, you're getting ready. You're you're tackling the doll sheep uh, with a stick bow this year, and you're practicing farther distance, not necessarily for your first shot, but for the chances of a follow-up shot. And oh shit, yeah, for my first shot. <laughs> yeah, well, and when I say that, meaning yeah. you know, you you want to be if you've backpacked in and you guys go far, the the limited amount I've been up in Alaska. Where we go five miles, you guys have gone 18 to 20. Like, you guys are going a lot farther in a lot of times, not all the time. Um, and you get up on a ram and he's 52. I personally would like the ability to or, or know that I have practiced my ass off and he's bedded and I can't get any closer. I, of course, you're going to do your due diligence uh, to try and get closer. But you also have practiced enough that... 52 may be a pretty dang feasible shot. Well, right, you know, right now, assuming, you know, conditions are pretty ideal. Um, yeah, I like I feel very comfortable at that distance. And I, I think about it like this, too. You know, if the closer you get, obviously it gets, in, you know, exponentially more difficult and more likely to blow them things out of there. But 
if I can get a spot like 52 is pretty close to my point on, so I'm like very comfortable there. And if I happen to miss, there's a really good chance I'll get another shot from that distance where if I'm like 18 yards, it's probably not going to fucking happen or it's going to be a really rushed type of thing. You know, if I, if so, and you know, like you, I'm sure do, you know, have, I have kind of a weak zone. It's getting stronger and stronger, but I do have a weak zone between like 36 and, or between like, yeah, 30 and 36, 37 yards. Oh, that's where my it's happy like, zone. <laughs> see, well, that's like, well, Your that's like place. my transition between instinctive aiming and gap shooting. You know, it's like kind of that funky right in the middle, but if you're, if your point on's a little shorter than that, that is kind of your gap zone, you know, at least from what I understand. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. So I got, you know, it's like either up, up close is just slam dunk. And then I, I, I get weak for a little bit and then I get stronger again. And, uh, I mean, I, I even been screwing around with shooting just a split finger tab, just shooting it three under and then beyond 55, 55 is about the farthest I can, I could comfortably shoot on like an animal. Cause I got at that point I got to hold like six inches over a sheep's back. Um, beyond that, I've been messing with switching to split finger and my point on is like 71 yards. And I mean, it's just nuts when you, you run a good shot. Like I think I had, was it five out of six or six out of seven shots in in that little Reinhardt pyramid target at 71 yards or 72 yards. And, you know, the one shot that was out was like low by an inch. You, you definitely get the guys that look at that and, you know, talk about the Insta group. And I'm obviously shooting with you. I know that's not an Insta group. Um, that's just what you're, you know, you're shooting. Now, here, the other day, as you know, I shoot so much my fingers fall off. You have the same problem. Oh, yeah. So Jake Downs is in the same boat. In fact, he, I think he had to take a night off last night because his fingers <laughs> hurt so bad. But when you shoot, um, like Amy and I went up to um, – uh, American Bowman the other day. It's what we call the mountain course. And it's nice when I'm with, with Amy because she, her ability and mine are pretty close to the same, her with the compound, meaning, you know, we're, we're trying to shoot shots between 20. And if we really stretch it, we're going to 45, which is real good for me for practice. Cause I need to shoot all those. And then we'll get to specific targets that I can really kind of lay her up on, um, uh, in an actual animal, like up there, you get a lot of realistic hunting shots. So I can, I can stop and say, which I shouldn't be admitting. I don't shoot from the stake, right? We're going from a, a angles. How we, dare you? Yeah. We, we probably shouldn't be shooting. <laughs> might be unsafe, but I'm like, all right, honey, this elk, this is a realistic shot. A bull would come up. This as a traveling corridor. When you're calling it in, this is identical to what you're going to get. Um, let's, let's step back a little bit and pretend this bull hangs up right here. Let's get left, left leg straight, right knee down. Let's take this shot and see what we can do. Real, just, that's why you practice, right? Try and oh, execute yeah. the most perfect shot. Well, you know, on that elk, I, I fa- kind of found like, you know, when you practice with my gap, right? So I, uh, um, you know, right now, um, with I've got I had those vintages uh, a black eagle vintage and they're 582 grains 
and I have been shooting 630 with day sixes. So with that, and I've got um, the I got four fletch with the trad veins, and I'm shooting about 187 feet a second. So I, I'm like, okay, my drop isn't as much. My point on is the same. So my point on's 40, but my drop isn't what it was because I'm not shooting. Um, you know, as, as much as heavy of an arrow. And as far as the parachute goes, I'm about the same as I was. So having said all of that, 45 yards cutting my broadhead across the top of that thing's back is pretty freaking deadly. Like, yeah, I, I, I dropped, you know, I put six arrows. Um, in, and when I say in the kill ring, six arrows in the 10 and one in the eight ring, which would have been liver lung. Yeah. That's as good as, as I'm going to be able to get. So we, she shoots and she shoots about the you know same score. So we go to the Buffalo and we go, it's 57. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take a guess of my drop here. And, you know, we're filming these and, you know, again, I put four or five in the 10, couple in the eight. Okay. So now you, you think about it. And if you were there and, and Frank was there, usually not so much Frank because he's shooting a compound. It's a kind of a gimme for him, but would you take this shot? Okay, well, I can say in good conscience, if you and I were hunting uh, muskox and we roll up and we're at 57 and it's out there feeding, man, I, I would be a liar to say I'm probably not going to, I mean, I'm going to take that shot. Um, yeah. The build of the animal, my point on where the broadhead's at with no wind and the animal doesn't know I'm there man, if I can lay them in there, it's, and you've got the wide open country. If something does go a little squirrely, you know, you got a real good chance seeing where it's going to run to get another shot. And, and I'm trying to be honest with this. I'm going to get bashed, but you know, there's the, the real realism of, if you can make that shot, take it. Now there's a lot of stick bow guys that probably shouldn't shoot unless they are sub 20. But the reason why some guys can shoot farther is the coaching they've got, the setup they have, the tuning, you know, the whole package. And that's what you get when you put effort into something. You put hard work into it, you know, you're going to be able to, you're probably going to have a little bit more uh, higher shooting ability than others. And and that's just, that's just life. And that's why we practice as much as we do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm sure you've said it a million times. I say it all the time that, you know, guys use the 20 yard limitation as an excuse to suck. You know, it's like an excuse to not work harder to shoot better. Who cares? Who cares if I, you know, if I never ever take a shot on a live animal at 50 yards, or 55 yards, or 40 yards? Like, it's making my shooting up close that much better by working, by shooting at distances where I have to really nitpick and fine tune my shot if I don't, if I want to hit the target. You know what I mean? I think that goes for for compound shooting too. Like. Sometimes at uh, Bear Creek, I'll shoot like 100 or 90 or something like that, and people like look at you weird, like, "Oh, you're going to shoot something like that?" Like, no, not necessarily. But being able to do it, and it definitely helps your your closer range shots like immensely. Well, basketball players don't just do fucking layups, right? They 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 go out to the three point line. They practice at different talking about this practice difference this different distances. And here here's the thing that I I. I want to make sure everyone understands this listening. Uh, neither, neither Tyler, myself, Frank, we're not condoning, we're not promoting, we're not pushing to shoot farther. 
I'm pushing you to learn fucking archery. I'm pushing you to learn to tune your bow. I'm pushing you not to collapse on the on the shot. I'm pushing you to get better, be better. And if it, it, it as you become better, if your distance gets to be a little bit farther you're comfortable with, that's an ancillary bonus. That's great. That is an interesting word you just used. Ancillary, <laughs> ancillary benefit. I don't even know if it's the right. I'm trying to sign. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> well, the, well, we, all know, what the, we all know the public school system in Pueblo is not. <laughs> I can't say anything. I got to ask. Could you use smaller words, please? I, I had to ask Frank. I asked Frank how to spell something yesterday, and he literally looks over at me, and goes, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And I'm like, "Dude, is it spelled right or not?" So Frank is definitely the more intelligent one of the group. But uh, when you, when you, when you, when you put yeah, and I can't say that enough. If you put in the work, more benefits will come that you probably aren't even expecting. So if you put in the effort to learn to tune, you are probably just by default going to be better at sh- your your groups are going to be tighter because your arrows aren't going all wacky down the range. If you work on your form, your tune is going to be better because your form is more consistent and you're not trying to tune an er- erratic shot. That's just life, and and as that happens, you're going to be able to shoot farther and farther. That's compound gun, bow, stick bow. It doesn't matter. Um, in in all the bullshit that happens in the middle, it needs to be white noise. I mean, there's so much negativity that comes around all this, and 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 sometimes I'm just as bad as anybody else. But truly, learn archery. I mean, learn learn how the bow from the root works all the way up to the farthest branch, learn it all and you'll be better because of it. And I mean, that's one of the reasons you and I get along so well is you're just addicted to this shit as I am. You're fucking yeah. with tape all over your face, f- yeah. <laughs> raw shit practicing when it'd be just as easy to go inside and eat a cheeseburger and watch TV, but you're out there putting in work. I, and I'm God, still I eating cheeseburgers, thing. but <laughs> well, <laughs> you like it, well, and you know, I mean, yeah, like Frank, you know, you sh- Frank's a CrossFitter. He can't even talk. Now. <laughs> yeah. oh, son of a, <laughs> let me talk. Next, just waiting for him to announce his move to Utah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, well, I mean, you, like you know how much shit I caught because you know I and I was posting. Yeah, you know, granted, I was doing it like almost every day. These you know Instagram stories, just uh, shooting this freaking bag in my garage. You know how many fucking hours I spent shooting that bag in my garage? <laughs> Never at all. Oh, what good's that going to do you? Well, now I'm freaking plugging them at 50, 60, 70 yards. I mean, it's like people are just, a lot of people are just afraid to, they're afraid to get worse before they get better. So that, that stops a certain number amount of people of, uh, you know, from like committing to a better shooting style and then some of them just don't want to put the work in, I don't think. You know, so it's like, oh, well, I just get close. Okay. <laughs> well, let's not forget it was uh, cold enough to freeze the balls off a brass monkey when you're practicing indoors, too, and you got to do whatever, you know, you're dealt with and God gave you. So practicing, I don't, I, it, 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 it cannot be stressed enough, blind bail or close-up shooting, how good that is once you can finally uh, – Step out. By the way, do you guys know where the saying "freeze the balls off a brass monkey" came from? Beastie Boys. No. Um, no, there. Um, that there used to be this candelabra-looking thing they called a brass monkey that would hold cannonballs, and huh. it would get so cold um, that it would freeze the le- the arms, and they would snap off of these brass monkeys. They look like monkeys holding all the cannonballs. 
um, you know, obviously huh. for the cannons. And so it would get that cold and they would say, it's so cold, it's freezing the balls off the brass monkey. Uh, that's where that came from. Where'd you learn that? Wikipedia or something? I saw, I'm probably in the military. There was the whole nine <laughs> yards was another one when they say give them the whole nine yards. Well, that, cause that, that's a 50 cal, a belt of 50 cal ammo in a, you know, that they loaded up in the airplanes, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Fucking yeah. nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds Dude, me of so my I was catching, I, so, I mean, as a veteran, you give me your thoughts on this. I was catching shit yesterday. Well, from just one dude, I got a lot of bu- a bunch of buddies that were like, "Yeah, that's freaking cool." My uh, my little sister's uh, in the honor guard, and she had to go over to Normandy for the 75th anniversary D Day, and she sent me a jar of sand from Omaha Beach, which collected on June 6, 2019. I thought, like, man, super cool, you know. And my grandpa was my grandpa was a paratrooper and. Uh, at that time and uh anyway like some dude's like you need to send that sand back and all this bullshit i'm like whoa 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 I'm like i'm not like selling it or anything like it means a lot to me yeah no nah, i mean i think it's cool i i, I just fuck is wrong I, with people man i think like, in who? um yeah exactly i think in life that um whether it be the sand for you know June 6th was D-Day in World War II um, when we stormed the beaches of Normandy and that you have a history with your family, um, you know, obviously serving and then your your sister's doing the same thing. For her to send that is pretty, you know, freaking cool. But I think different people come at things d- different ways. And, and this is not just with sand from the beach of Normandy. This is also traditional compound, whatever else. And sometimes including myself you've got to take a step back um take a deep breath and and maybe not worry about shit quite so much as people do um yeah and and not to get off the subject of of that but it does bring up a good point of some of the different you know battles that go on online um whether it be long distance rifle shooting or compound shooting i kind of have getting to the point where if if I, I mean, I don't, I, you and I may send text messages back and forth, right? Like we send a lot yeah. of them generally making fun of people. Um, <laughs> one guy specifically, but the, the, the reality of it is if it's not hurting anyone, um, I don't get too wrapped up in it. If it's totally BS, sometimes, you know, meaning 60 vertical miles, Eh, that didn't hurt anyone, but that's probably not true for any guy that's actually a mountain hunter. Eh, did it hurt anyone? No, but it makes for good kind of people yeah, watching, six, right? I mean, 60, it's, 60 I mean, I, one, I'm, right? I'm still generating content <laughs> off of it, so there was a lot of memes thrown around about that one. Um, but then you you'll get. Um, oh, we had the the 350 pound bear pack out that went viral, and we talked about this the other day. You cannot take away the work Cam Haynes has put in to the outdoor industry. He's an animal, physically a freak. The guy has done a ton for the sport. Um, he'll go down in history as one of the greatest bow hunters ever. There's You can't take any way, anything from the guy. Why he chose to pack a bear out on his own with guys watching is a bit beyond me. I don't know why I would be like, Tyler, grab a fucking leg. You know? <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, it's like, well, that's like, hey, this is what we have this plastic sled for, dudes. Well, and and that's, I'm not, 
hating on Cam. I think yeah. he's awesome for the sport. No. I mean, I don't – I just – if you were beside me and you said, I want to carry back that out, the R word would come out along with multiple other. The G word. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just. The you... R word being road. Like, I'm on a fucking road yeah. here, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go get the ATV, for God's sake. But I don't. Yeah. That's just guys giving each other shit. I, I mean, I, you can't take away what the dude's done. But when I saw that, I was like, man. Dude, what are you doing that for? Other people are going to try and snap a cankle because yeah, he's obviously a freak of fucking nature, right? Like the guy's just a, an animal. But, you know, guys asked me about it and I'm like, yeah, don't do not do that. And and I've been known to do dumb stuff. So is it a big deal? Not really. I, I don't know that the bear weighed that much. But, I mean, truly, he is such, you know, has a, he is such a, a pinnacle and so many people are watching. My biggest thing was, hey, guys, you know, don't don't try and do that if you got four guys because believe me you want to hunt till you're 60 not till you're 46. Well, it's like what I don't get's like why you know why do you need the gimmick, you know? Yeah, like, and what? I, I, I mean that's the whole thing that came down to is doing it for the gram or whatever. And and again, he's a stud. I'm not. I don't want to get into this huge thing or I'm not an anti cam guy. The dude's a monster. But my 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 point for people that kind of watched was hey you know. If you got guys to help you take it for somebody that's abused their body, you know, just have everybody grab a leg and pack a, a thing out. If you're bound to determine to show people, you know, you can carry out an animal on your own, by all means, rub some funk on it. Just know that there are long-term repercussions. Cam's a little bit older than me. Um, I'm just starting to feel it to where, you know, I make sure guys know like, hey, you don't need to train with 80 pounds in your pack. I, I don't think it did me any good. We train with 40 to 45 and and we have no issues carrying heavy weight later on. You, obviously, you want to make sure you're, you know, you want to throw it on every now and then, make sure you can handle it. But, I mean, Tyler, what are your packs coming out on those sheep hunts when, um, I, when you're successful? I think last, yeah, last year it was, uh, last year, I well, and I I tell myself that I shouldn't do one load, like camp and sheep. But a lot of times I end up just saying screw it because I don't want to take two trips. And it's it's over 100 pounds. You know, usually probably like 115-ish. When you This is not an internet 115. So what I would like to say as we're talking about this, how far are you coming out? Um, Last last year was the, the last couple ones I packed out. It probably averaged like nine miles, which is pretty short. And that's that's a pack out to, eight, to the ATV where I could get that. And then another, you know, 15 miles or whatever. But uh, yeah, so, and that's not. A super long pack out. I mean, I packed. Fuck you! you know, it's not long. <laughs> Nine miles well, with 120 pounds sucks balls. It's not long I, for what normal Alaska packouts might not be. But dude, nine miles sucks. Yeah, I mean, it was, and and I don't know. I just I do it really slow. Like, I mean, even empty or whatever. I could I you know, I could never keep up with a gentleman of your caliber. But uh, I just freaking <laughs> plug away at it and. Uh, well, I think it's good you bring that up. There, There is no race. I mean, no. it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And Marathons are races, though. <laughs> yeah, good point. I totally walked it's into a non, that. It's a non-competitive marathon. It's a non-competitive. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. Do but they give, uh, what are those called? Um, participation. participation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get to eat your steak. but That's the steak at the I, end. I would, they, they give the T-shirts out before the race. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you get the T-shirt even if you don't finish. <laughs> you know, throw, throw 100, 115, 20 pounds in your pack. Um, 
don't don't train with this just to get an idea of of what 120 feels like 100 pounds and then even if you're on flat ground you've got stairs walk up 15 flights of stairs if you only got a four-story building go up it and go down it do that like eight times and then you're gonna really be awoke uh kind of wait you know woke, woke up yeah awoke to stay woke stay woke woke, woke did be woke that it up that's a thing yeah. stay woke all right well stay woke everyone so but then you talk about cresting the 150 mark <laughs> yeah. and I, i've crested that mark a few times i probably won't be able to walk when I'm 60 because of it, but truly don't believe everything you hear online. Um, and when I say that, meaning by all means, throw 170 pounds in your pack, rub some funk on it and, and go walk five miles. You will not be right for a few days afterwards. It takes a toll on the body. So you got to be smart about what you're doing for long term. Doesn't that uh, surprise you that a lot of people refuse to use tracking poles? And then yeah. you talk about these like super heavy, crazy loads and they're like, uh, trekking poles are for pussies. Like, dude, man, I couldn't imagine doing a heavy load, like, you know, whatever, even 120 pounds without trekking poles. I know a lot of people well, do like it, but Well, it's like bear and wolf weights. Most people are just, it's full of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there is, uh, that, that wolf ever, that I shot, everybody thought they were throwing out some crazy numbers. I'm like, no, no, it was not, not nearly that big. That thing's got four inches of fur deduct about you know 40 50 pounds off that thing and once you've once you've started shooting an animal and and we got a little bit of time left here yeah when you just so people understand a a good rough number um if an animal weighs a thousand pounds you're going to have in deboned meat 300 about 30 percent and this is for all animals roughly you're about 30 percent of what it is on the hoof for actually the meat you're packing out and Plus or minus. Um, I don't know how true you found that to be, but, you know, talking to a lot of butchers, weighing a lot of pack loads, um, you know, they say a mule deer, for example, you get about 65 pounds on average of deboned meat. Most mule deer are 180 to 210 pounds for a four and a half year old mule deer. Obviously, there's exceptions to that. Well, do the math. 200 pounds, 30 pounds for the first 100 is 30%. 30 again. So you got 60 pounds. So if you're getting about 65 pounds, you're shooting about a 220 pound mule deer, which is a good sized mule deer. Um, that's not to say, I'd say those Alberta mule deer we're shooting are upwards of three, three fifty. <laughs> They're quite a bit. I don't, how much do you think that one weight I shot in Colorado? Yeah. It's it a beast. Uh, that was a very, that was a huge body deer, man. So, Especially for Colorado. So when you, when you talk about that, so Tyler, what's your kit weigh for going in for 12 days? What's your pack weigh? Without the gun, uh, it's like sixty, like sixty-two pounds or so, somewhere in there. Okay, so you got sixty pounds. I'm going in, and Tyler and I both like to eat, so I've got sixty pounds. We kill a sheep on the third day. A sheep is about the same size as a mule deer, roughly. I mean, what are you getting for yep. meat off of them? Yeah, it's about you get about forty-five to fifty-five pounds. And you guys can't. Uh, um, debone there right you got to carry it bone no no we can debone sheep there's some units where like moose and caribou you can't but sheep you can gotcha so um we're deboning so now you and i are both at about 100 pounds on the way out um uh or less depending you know on what's going on when you consider the cape and in the horns well and the sheep horns weigh more than mule deer antlers typically so that's usually 
usually get like 50-ish pounds of meat, you know, 40 to 55 pounds of meat, um, 10 to 15 pounds for your skull, and, uh, you know, if your cape's dry, don't weigh very much, but, you know, another 5 to 10 pounds for your cape. Yeah, so, you know, you're splitting 100 pounds is pretty pretty average. I mean, that's pretty much what you're coming out with. A mule deer, you're about the same. Um, you're getting a little bit more meat. You're getting less on the on the horn. When yeah. You, when you talk about a, an elk, you're looking, let's say, a, a standard, let's say a three-and-a-half-year-old raghorn, you know, 500 pounds, you know, it's, it's uh, roughly, you know. I mean, they're not as big as people think. So you're looking at 150 pounds, maybe 180 pounds of deboned meat. So, you know, if you're splitting that in half in one trip, you're looking at 150 pounds per person. 150 pounds is more than most humans can handle unless it's sub mile and all downhill. It's just it's just a lot of weight. Uh, and that's just life. And so people, you, you do really don't want to judge what you hear online, I guess, is what I'm leading up to. I'm trying to show throw out some realistic figures here um, of what you're looking, what you're trying to face. And so, um, I mean, Tyler, solo on a sheep hunt, what's the farthest you can, can go in? What's the farthest you can get one out? Depends on how much food I have. I mean, I've packed sheep out 28 miles before, so it just depends on, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I have to, like, just worry about that later. Is one of the but you can you can um you can from where you're at you don't have as much issues with keeping the meat cool though like you no typically not okay and that's what I was bringing this up for we probably are going to have a lot more issues here keeping the meat not always sometimes it's fine um keeping the meat um from spoiling and that's the big uh, when you look about numbers of going in that's what you have to look at. You can really, it's your own physical ability is your limitation of how far you can come out where you start talking about temperatures. Okay, you do the math. If you shoot a bull solo three miles in and you have to make four trips, well, do the math. You got three, 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 three back and forth. You're racking up a lot of miles in a timely manner before the meat goes bad. Those are all the things you have to take into consideration. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we don't want the meat to spoil. And if you think you're going to be able to come out with 120 pounds and you've never done it before and you got a lot of uphill, you're about to have your eyes open to pain and misery. And, and a lot of guys just can't flat out do it. Oh, yeah. Probably the only the heaviest pack I've ever carried was uh, was a whole and I was in like the best shape of my life was a whole deboned caribou. And uh, and most of my gear, one of the guys, my buddy's dad took our light gear and that was like. Yeah, five and a half miles in the tundra, and I thought I was gonna die. Like, I like my my I had to have my waist belt so tight that my legs would go numb. I couldn't like would start tingling and go numb every like hundred yards. So I'd have to pop my waist belt and like let the blood flow get back to my legs. Yeah, I get I get the same same kind of stuff going on, and there's nothing wrong with being manly, but definitely you know, that, that fine line between hard ass and dumb ass, just try not to cross it. And, and I'm telling you from, uh, from a guy who's, you know, on the wrong side of 40 now and, and starting to feel, um, things that I was, didn't think I ever would, as far as I don't get up quite as quick in the morning as I used to. I, I got 
little bit stiffer <laughs> back. And uh, would things have changed? Would I do anything different? Pro- probably not. You got to be young and dumb for a reason. But I mean, I don't, Frank, you're 30 now. Yeah. And um, I would say you're probably common sense wise. You don't know anything too stupid, but you can pack out a, a heavy load. I mean, you go solo with deer and you're coming out with, you know, 100, 100 110, 115 pounds. But the thing is, is it's not a race coming out either. You can stop and camp if it's far enough, if the meat's not going to go bad. Nothing says yeah. you got to do it in a straight shot. Shit, you yeah, can stay I, the night. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, to take a bunch of breaks. Just go as you know as long as you, you can or whatever comfortably, and then sit down and take a break and eat a fucking bar or drink some water and chill for a little bit and get back up. Thing is, though, for me, I try not to to sit for more than five or maybe even ten minutes max because – then you start at, I feel like you, stiff. yeah, you start getting stiff <laughs> well, and I think, I restarting think, you know, sucks. Short, frequent breaks, you know, when I'm packing out, I'll just like, if I'm, if, especially going like down, like this last year, I had to come down some pretty steep stuff for a long ways. And, uh, like if my legs are starting to feel a little wobbly, I'll sit down for like a minute. Yeah. You know, it's like short, frequent breaks. Cause it, you're, that's when you, I think you stand a good chance of hurting yourself so when you just, try to freaking be bullheaded and push through it even though you know you're you're doing some fairly sketchy shit and your legs start getting wobbly well it's just one freaking bad step from separating your knee or rolling your ankle or something taking shortcuts sorry frank oh, no, mule deer. <laughs> that, that was yeah. me and 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 i i do use walking sticks but sometimes the 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 weight that i have to go to a walking stick is is a little bit higher than than some some other guys and in 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 reality i probably should use them all the time even though i don't necessarily need them that doesn't mean i shouldn't use them the walking sticks or something that I, i everybody should have walking sticks you know i don't use them as much going in but with heavy weight you're just saving knees and ankles bottom line oh yeah it's just how it is and and uh i i think that um before we go into too many rabbit holes but as as far as you know, what, you know, not making fun of CrossFit or working out or whatever, uh, you know, a strong core really helps, you know, as weird as it is, you think of your abs, a, a strong core and back really does help with a pack out because your core is kind of your foundation. And, um, yeah. and I, and, and I think that's one of the reasons I can carry so much. Uh, but it also helps for your back guys with strong cores generally don't have bad backs. Um, but I, it, it's, it's a struggle. I mean, how many animals have you packed out over three miles, Tyler? Uh, um, every one of my sheep. So there's twelve. Um, uh, you can wing it too. You don't have to. At be least dead. I, you know, I don't know. At least fifteen or twenty, I'd say. And now, out of those fifteen or twenty, have you had anything where you looked back and thought, "Man, that was fucking dumb." Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What would what would those, I, uh, what would those my, be? Just carrying way too much weight. Um, the biggest one, the second sheep I killed, it was back, you know, during the heavy freaking gear days, and I I really didn't know shit, and just a, un- a lot of unnecessary weight, and it had been raining on us for a week, so everything was soaked, and we my pack was like 140. We weighed it when we got back, and that my my feet to this day, mostly my left foot, I did some nerve damage to my toes. And that was like 12 years ago or 13 years ago um, that that shit still freaking hurts me. Um, and it was foolish. It was all just 
it was freaking just because I, I was tough and I was going to do one load and, uh, and really shouldn't, even if I had broken it up just on some of the hard parts, you know, some of the steep stuff, if I would have just separated up into two loads and made two trips, I wouldn't be dealing with this with my feet right now. Um, I've got three dead toenails and those fuckers aren't ever growing back. I've found they just peel off occasionally. And that's the <laughs> same thing from 10 years ago. They still aren't right yet. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and, and it's a thing where to, it's not, it, it comes and goes, depends on the kind of terrain I'm walking on or whatever. Some stuff sets it off where it's almost unbearable. And I just kind of got to hobble along and, <laughs> and take a lot of breaks. <laughs> Look like you got hit with rock salt. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'm only laughing because I've got I've worn the fatty pad off of my uh, pinky toe behind my pinky toe, whatever that is. So it feels like yeah. nails going in. Oh, to the point the custom orthotics I have have holes there, so it doesn't hurt as bad. And and I'm only bringing all this oh. up not to tell war stories. Listen to what the fuck we're saying because you will be in the same position we are in or worse if you don't, if you, if you abuse your body. Cause yeah. you talk about like you're saying the, I mean, last year's mule deer were relatively cakewalks. I don't think, I mean, Frank inevitably will fall down once or twice, but I don't think you twisted an ankle or anything too bad coming out. Um, but we took our time. I did take a shortcut which was was steep, but you have some common sense about you. And, and I think what happens is that adrenaline gets flowing. You got the Superman feeling because you just took an animal, whether it be your first yep. or your fifth, you got, you're on that high and you cannot, that that's not going to overcome lactic acid buildup and jelly leg. It's just not, you're going to have to deal no. with that. So use some common sense when you're, when you're packing and, out. And that's a good, and that's a good point too, because you're still, riding the adrenaline you know like i mean like last year i shot that sheep like it was like 6500 like almost at the top of the tallest mountain anywhere around and i camped on the ridge and then you know like the first mile or so out was ridge line and you know so i'm walking like fairly same elevation and just feel on top of the it's like you get that moment where it's like the Ricky Bobby moment where he's like, here's the deal, Dick. I'm the best there is. And, <laughs> you know, and then that shit don't last very long and then you're suffering. But you know what I mean? Oh, believe me, I, I do know exactly what you mean. Although I took that Ricky Bobby moment away from Frank last year, even though I'm the one that shot the deer because you wanted to go home immediately after I shot the deer and I'm like, I was in some pain. Yeah. Yeah. Frank was not happy. And I'm like, oh, I just figured we'd stay a night and leave in the morning. You see Frank was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but I, one of the reasons I do that is, is, is to be because of what we're talking about. You know, we weren't in a rush or whatever. And I knew we'd let the legs rebuild from getting out of the hole we were in and, and chill. Frank, Frank, it, not to say Frank wouldn't normally do that. Frank had some well, I guess it'd be sushi backup issues. Frank had a Ooh. woolly mammoth hanging out in his intestines that wouldn't come out. <laughs> I thought his fucking appendix burst. I was clogged oh, up, yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, but, you know, kind of thinking about that stuff before you, you before you head out, and it's just long-term. You know, you want to be doing this when you're 60 oh, and yeah. 70. And, and uh, You know, Copenhagen will help that out, Frank, especially if you're not used to it. <laughs> I've seen Frank puke from Copenhagen. I got photos of it. Yeah, it's not, it's not for me. <laughs> I no, I'm still off. I'm still on the or on or off the wagon, however you want to look at it. So um, that wagon has come and gone for me. I don't even try to get on it. But the the only other thing I'd say on packouts, you 
the 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 epic fails that I have seen are keys. Someone kept the keys or left them at the tent as the pack out started and the trucks. Locked. Oh man. So I, I strongly suggest let everyone know, leave the keys hidden somewhere at the vehicle. If you're a thief and you try to steal people's shit, you'll get shot, but try to leave the keys at the truck. Let everybody know where they're at. The other thing too, cell phones, let me get in the, the trailhead and I'll call the processor, except you left your cell phone at camp. You know, make sure you bring essentials. And the other thing I'd say, if you got a long pack out, fill your pockets full of snacks and drink water and electrolytes on the way out. We had a guy that basically tried to commit suicide and didn't even know it. He didn't need anything. He was hallucinating. Of course, his version of the story is he was the hero, but in reality, we had to send somebody in to rescue him. It happens. You have got to keep food going in your system, water and electrolytes. And a lot of people, like was you that said, a, was that a sixty point one vertical mile walkout? Yes, it was. That's what's the <laughs> problem right there. Sixty point <laughs> and three hundred fifty pounds. But uh, you you've got to you've got to keep um, electrolytes flowing into your body, and you got to get food in there, or you're going to crap out. Because, like you said, uh, you know, I don't want to tell you, Dick, I'm the best there is. You may yeah. still be thinking that. But eventually your body is going to fail you. And no matter how good you think you are at the time, I don't know if anybody's ever gotten like uh, hamstring cramps to the point they can't walk. You're not going to tough your way out of that. You just you just can't. I mean, your leg locks up. It's fucking locked up. And so you got to I mean, I hate to say it. I've gotten to the point now I stretch before we pack out. I'll stop in the middle and stretch. And I never would have done that in a million years, 10 years ago. Now I'm like, hey, let's stretch everyone. And just because I have <laughs> roll out to. Your little, roll out your little <laughs> pad on the trail. and <laughs> Look like I'm praying to Allah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you ever seen a, a lion stretch before it kills an impala? No. He says, you ever see a lion stretch before it chases after a gazelle? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Think about it. Oh, Lord. Well, oh, man. Let's I gonna t- oh, I was going to say before we – I, I got some more. I got a little bit more time, but before we go, I was going to tell you, and I think I told you when we were going back into skinning that bear, because once we finally found him, I I texted you and uh, texted you a picture, and then you gave us a call when we were walking, gave me a call when we were walking back in and bullshitted for a little bit. I can't remember if I said it then, but I was like, I had to feel like, man, first thing I'm going to do is go back to the boat and snap all them fucking wood arrows <laughs> over my knee, throw them in the river where they belong or use them for yeah you didn't them, say that throw them for, back in the woods with their garden home. stakes or <laughs> send them home best to thing the woods. I, best thing i best thing about getting that big grizzly bear is i never have to shoot a freaking wood arrow or a feather ever again <laughs> yeah and that's kind of a joke less the freaking the the trad delta force like ropes in out of a helicopter and <laughs> Well, they'd have to use like a hot air balloon, I guess, to be trad. Man, I, I you know, the, the the whole thing with the feather and the vein dealer, I, I mean, the, the reality of it is. Yeah, how, is, about that, how about that meltdown? Oh, Jesus, yeah, just shoot what you want. You know, I, I got a, a message from a guy a, a, out of Nebraska that was kind of, he, he's pretty much anti-trad vein and, and uh, I, I, he doesn't seem to be a big uh, fan of mine. And, and I think he took some stuff I said out of a context uh, and I can and I can see why from the way I said it, I, I it was something to the effect of, you know, you need to get on the train or get out of the way, which I think he <laughs> took is do it my way or, I you know, do it the way Aaron Snyder says. And 
I, yeah. I, I didn't mean it that way. The way I, what I mean is traditional archery is growing and it's not going to be the exact way that maybe everybody wants it to be. Be happy it's growing, hop on the growth train or get out of the way. And I, and I'm standing behind that because traditional archery seem to be shrinking forever. And if you don't want to shoot uh, a vein, I, I didn't design them for everybody to shoot them. I designed them for the people that need to shoot them to be able to have them. That simple. If you don't need them, don't don't put them on. You know, shoot a feather. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, well, it just crack. It just cracked me up. The video, like if we can talk about that, the the freaking the social media meltdown video. I mean, I I think feathers are cool. Feathers are like, I mean, and there's just something about them that is cool. Like I'll give it that. They're fun to shoot, but. Like half the shit that guy was saying is not true. Like I finally fletched up a set of those trad veins and was shooting them off my longbow off the shelf. And like, you know, dropping them in there at like 40 yards. And those things are absolutely silent. Well, and I, I challenge people to, to do, I mean, don't take my word for it. Shit, I could be lying. Go out. And, <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'm not saying go buy a bunch you don't need, but they, uh, I think, um, Mountain Muffler sells kind of test kit packs for the, the, oh, nice. the veins and get a few, you know, enough to do three, four, five, six errors, whatever it is. They are quieter. End of story. There's no out, there's no doubt, there's no argument. Everyone that's testing them has said the same thing. Um, they're, they're quieter than a feather. And so I'm not saying believe me, I'm not saying, uh, don't believe Gateway. I am saying I highly suggest that you go try them out. But if, if you don't hunt in adverse conditions, and this question was asked to me, uh, how was it put? Um, it drives me crazy, the leg humpers that shoot trad veins because you're doing it. It makes me sick. Who really needs to actually shoot those? And I said, guys that live in western Oregon, western Washington, north Idaho, western British Columbia, central British Columbia, Alaska, Yukon Territories, and the NWT, those guys need them too. Like, don't be that much of a fucking hater that it's that bad. Shoot, shoot what you want to shoot. I'm not telling everyone to go shoot trad veins, but I, you know, but I think it's a good option for people. Feathers are super cool looking. There's you can't argue that. And 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 if you don't need them, man, I'm not. I mean, by all means, don't shoot them. I can tell you now, um, I'm not going back to feathers. I've just had that good of luck with these veins, and I I hate worrying about you know, the negative side of feathers, stock up on a mule deer sub 20 yards and have that feather rub against your pant leg. You're not going to oh, like yeah. feathers very much either. Um, no. And they're ha and they're like, you know, what, two thirds or half the price. I mean, I've been shooting veins for years off just off a of bare weather rest, but I mean, they're freaking more durable, better. I, I just don't have to worry about them at all. And, uh, half the price. So if I shoot through one big freaking deal, you know, yeah, and, and that's it's just an option like anything else. Um, it's an option for guys, and, and I take it for what it's worth. From 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 me, um, you do not have to have them to be successful. Don't shoot them because I am. If you like the like them because they're quieter, if you like them because you don't have to worry about some of the negative side of feathers, shoot them. If you like the feathers are easier to fletch up, shoot feathers. It's just another option. There's no reason to have a crisis, you know, book burning, you know, holy shit, Nazi Germany thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, same with clickers and everything else. I think that, um, you know, we should just try and kind of promote the traditional archery and get everybody into it. And it's it's kind of, um, you know. Well, if you can help people be successful and like 
actually hit the target with some level of consistency, there's a much better chance that they're going to stay in it. You know what I mean? No one wants to just freaking, you know, shoot and then spend 45 minutes looking for all their arrows every damn time. You know what I mean? No, I mean, well, look at Frank, you shot. Um, I mean, why didn't you stick with shooting a stick bow? Loft. Uh, yeah, loft was a major contributing factor. <clears throat> I didn't really want to put in the, the work, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, and I sucked at it, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to shoot my compound. It, but it was well, just a simple. You know, being a, Go ahead. I was just sorry to interrupt you. I was just going to say, being, I mean, being a good, consistent compound shooter, the tools are there to where if you just wanted it bad enough and, and put the work in, you'd be just, you'd do just fine with the stick bow. Yeah, I have no doubt if if Frank wanted to, you would be super successful. But Frank, I think uh, there's just a lot of other things I like to do instead. Yep, that's what I was gonna I say. Mean, I, I really like <laughs> rifle hunting. I really like uh, predator hunting after big game season ends. So it's just uh, I like rifle hunting. I like predator hunting. What's the deal? <laughs> See, I like to do that. <laughs> I like to do that stuff instead of shooting shooting every day. Well, and I was going to say, you. when have you not pulled into my house where I'm not shooting something with my recurve? Yeah. It takes a level of commitment to be, um, you know, super proficient. And I don't hold it against I'm Frank at all. Honestly, I'm kind of glad you are shooting a compound because there's. We, we talked about this. You're on the mule deer hunt. I'm like, look, dude, there's just deer I cannot kill. And your ass may need to haul ass to me to go shoot one of them because there's just certain limitations on a stick bow. And guys are like, no, there's not, whatever. There is. That's why you're shooting the thing. There yeah, are limitations yeah. to it. And I can tell you there's certainly limitations for me because I can drop bombs at 120 on end with a compound. I'm like, that's like a par four, right? I, I got to get, you know, 40 is like max, right? I got to get closer than that. And so I, I, there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong if you don't want to shoot a stick bow. There's nothing wrong with shooting a compound by, by all means. But if you really want to challenge you know, it, it's there, it's fun, it, it can be done. And I, I mean, uh, I don't, I mean, Frank, I don't know, has it ever bugged you I'm shooting a stick bow when we're hunting? I don't care. It doesn't yeah. affect, it doesn't affect me at all. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I mean, truly, when I, when I have my appendix explode and I want to go home though, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, um, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, archery is archery and uh, with a compound or a stick. And I think it should be looked at that way from, from everyone and, and try to kind of, you know, promote the sport in general, not just one aspect of it. Yeah, and totally. that's your cue, Tyler. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. And just now let's tell a, a joke. No, let's <laughs> tell a joke. Well, you know, first, you know, I was thinking you got it. You need a little more fiber in those frijoles, man, if you're going to be <laughs> doing that kind of trip. Um, you know, the the tortilla itself is not enough fiber to help you out there. Anyway. Cool. I appreciate it. And, uh, man, I, I, congratulations on the, uh, the bear. It's super cool. I'm glad you, uh, you hopped on to tell the story on here. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. It was, uh, definitely a nice, like, I, I don't know, just, I don't even know what to say about it other than like, I'm super, super relieved and excited to actually, actually finally put a close to that chapter. It was, it was fun. And I was, really excited that that seniors able able to be there and watch it all go down and i mean he got the whole experience for sure no that's good man well cool all right well we'll talk to you soon enough either way appreciate everything all right sounds good man see take you, care yep see you frank